anyone leaves their body, there's always somebody left behind. Yeah. And usually they're, depending on their relationship with the one who left, they're deeply affected in many, many different ways. And uh, so that's what we're going to be uh, hearing about tonight. You know, our dear friend, Madhavendu Paridasi, six, seven months ago, she was a guest on the podcast. It was a wonderful episode. Yeah. And then about one month ago now, probably, she became to the point where it was time for her to leave the body. And she did. You know, and uh, it was a great loss, you know, to the planet, really, to those close to her. Uh, certainly a great loss and big impact on us. Yeah, for But sure. the wonder of it is that uh, because she had dedicated, uh, I don't know how many years, but many, many years of her life to learning all these truths about life and developing her spiritual awareness and growing spiritually and developing more and more her relationship with her spiritual master and the Lord, her transition was, was not a big drama for her. You see, it was, it was a whole <laughs> multiple-year preparation for the inevitable. And, she had, um, you know, she, she was well prepared, and it was a wonderful transition. She was in a way fortunate to be. She was diagnosed with ALS nine years ago, which is amazing that she managed to stick stick it around, stay around that long. But yeah, yeah. So she knew amazing. that it was coming, and she had such a bright smile, and and it's just a, a light from the inside when we when we had her on our podcast. So anyone who wants to watch that, that's episode number 29. So you can maybe, you know. Not very uh, long ago, someone who had watched the podcast told me that even though she had ALS and, and all the physical trauma that goes with that, she was glowing. That's what this person said. She yeah. was glowing. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> you just repeated it, you know, it was yeah. obvious. Yeah, yeah. So there was, there was much more going on than just a physical frame that had a disease. Totally, know? totally. Wow. And it's available to everyone, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, it's going to be a very interesting uh, conversation with Alan, who was her husband, and Shaley, who... It's her daughter, is her daughter, is her husband, is her daughter. I mean, it's not was, but... Madhavendra still and, exists. And, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, she's still there. And so on. So <laughs> we'll let them do the talking and we'll do the listening. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> one, for one, once in a while. <laughs> you know. But um, yeah. I just wanted to say, if anyone is listening on Facebook, we are going to not live stream the full episode on on facebook so if you do like to keep on listening you can go to breakingtrail.life slash death breakingtrail.life slash death where we stream this episode so with that i'm going to just turn off the facebook
stream. And if um, one thing that I wanted to say as an introduction as well is that all of the things that we're discussing now might not be what everyone wants to hear or what is comfortable to hear, but it is what you need to hear. And we're going to dare to go a little bit deeper into the topic of death and not just scratch the surface. So this is going to be a deep dive. So get ready and buckle up. <laughs> and I'm going to bring Shaley and Alan in. Namaste, Alan. Namaste, Balakia, Harry Ball. Namaste, Shaley, Harry Ball. Nice to no. see you guys. Yeah, nice to see you. Yeah. So okay. we can all hear and see each other. That's a good thing. <laughs> Thank you for doing this, Shaley and Alan. I know it's early morning for you guys, and I know it's gonna a little bit on austerity to, to be here, but <laughs> and. Um, I'm surprisingly you know. awake, uh, which is, you know, rare. <laughs> <laughs> At this time. Yeah. It's, my it's my pleasure to be here. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's our pleasure that you agreed to come totally. as our guest. Totally. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, Ruben, you're good at starting these things up. Yeah. I, 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 was, I was wanting to... There's a lot of questions that I have. There's a lot of questions that actually people have sent us in as well and wondering about. But maybe you could just tell us briefly about yourself, Shayla and Alan, who you are and what your background is and, and how, you know, where you guys are living, just so that we get to know you a little bit. Well, Shayla and you might have ended longer than I, so maybe she should start. <laughs> That's true. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. For those who do did know my mother, she was um, quite a, I don't know, flamboyant character. <laughs> <laughs> and we grew up in Australia um, and we came into contact with meditation when I was really young and she, uh, she'd she also traveled a lot in Indonesia. So she, she'd been accustomed to different, you know, Eastern philosophy. And uh, so we, we, we were, she was looking for something. Anyway, it was a wonderful childhood. Very, um, she took me everywhere. She, she used to take me to like all kinds of countries and it was fun and exhausting. <laughs> um, she had a lot of, um, energy, my mom. And, uh, um, so possibly why she, she left this world a little sooner than most because she, she wore herself out. She was, um, she had a lot going on. She ran a clothing business. She was a really amazing person. I, I have to be honest, as a child, she wasn't a great example, but through following this process, um, she completely did a 180 and, um, and became an, you know, an amazing person. <laughs> In fact, it was, sorry. Oh, what's what was that? I remember she said something about the hippie. She was kind of yeah. into the hippie lifestyle. Or <laughs> well, I won't go into too much detail because she was pretty private about it. But she oh, she de she definitely um, you know it was like two different lives she had in this one life. So when I was younger, it was she wasn't grounded. So she, you know we anyway. But basically, when she came into this process she she did a 180 and she um 
she, I don't know, she became much better. And in some ways, sorry, I'm get, trying to get to the point here, but she, um, she started to discipline me <laughs> when I was, when I was like 15. I was like, you're a bit late because, <laughs> uh, you know, but it was at that point, you know, that I was more of an adult. But as a child, she didn't discipline me much because she was too busy, you know, living her life. But as an adult, she started to, you know, change. And I really appreciate now, not so much when I was 15, who she became and, and, and I, I was incredibly close to her because um, we had just been the two of us up until she met Alan and uh, we did everything together. And so this loss is quite great for me. Um, I was doing okay last week, but this week I, someone said it would come in waves, but I miss her greatly. And, um, but I know she's, she's in a better place. So I have to rest my heart in that. Um, anyway, she, she ended up in Canada and then I followed her here and now, yeah. I'm, so, yeah. And then, and then Alan, you came into the picture. How, how, how did that, what was the... Yeah. So I, um, I grew up in Canada. I was born in Ottawa and I was living in Toronto. Um, actually I, when I met Montevendo, I was living in London, Ontario, which is where, so I went back to school when I was 46 to become a lawyer and uh, after having various uh, careers and endeavors in the art world and things of that nature. And I came back to Canada. I was married and I went through a separation and came back to Canada and decided to go to law school. So when I met Madhavendra, I was had literally just uh, finished or was in my last month writing my last exams of third year law in in Canada here. Mm -hmm. And we just ran into each other and um, hit it off. And so she came into my life when I was qualifying to be a lawyer. So she and I spent some time together and then she said, I'm going to go back to Australia. And she said, I'm living in a house there. I've had a house on the beach for many years and Shaylee, my daughter lives there and I'm going to go back and uh, see her and things of that nature. And then she came back uh, into Canada. If you remember in her, her podcasts with you, she talked about how she came back in the fall that year. And she <laughs> said to me, uh, it's cold. <laughs> I, I watched yesterday to, 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 uh. to <laughs> so I familiarized myself with uh, what she you know, said in there. And it's true, she had no idea, uh, much experience with, and no idea how cold it could get here in, in Canada. It was an extremely cold year. And um, I had my own sort of history of seeking spiritual knowledge and understanding, um, but I had kind of put it aside when I went to law school and was going through a, a separation. And so then she went back to Australia and uh, literally settled her, her, her business affairs. She had the, her clothing line and she was selling clothing and making a, a living doing that. But it was told me she was kind of ready to step away from that and left Shaylee alone. I think Shaylee was, I guess, um, in her early twenties at that point and living in the house and having uh, her own, life. I didn't know Shaley at the time. And uh, Montevendra came and moved to Canada, uh, just sort of pulled up her, 
her roots and joined me here. And it was my first year of, of uh, working in the legal profession. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, she, I didn't know much about, you know, her spiritual background, except that I understood that, you know, she was interested in that. But I remember looking at the, um, I had a whole sort of library of, of books on shelves in my house uh, where I was going to school. I'd unpacked everything there. And I was going to have a garage sale and sell everything to uh, come back and live in Toronto from a house there to maybe a much smaller place. I had a whole lifetime of things. And there was maybe four or five shelves of books on spiritual topics. And uh, I remember we stood there and I had um, the Gita, a uh, book called the Gita, um, not by Bhaktivedanta Swami, but I... Um, I said to her, she had picked it up and looked at it and put it back on the shelf. And then I said, should I keep any of these books? And she looked at the shelf and looked around, took a long pause and said, no, I wouldn't keep any of them. <laughs> and uh, so she said, none of them have any any real value to you. Um, I said, okay. I mean, I just accepted her on face value. She was just so authentic and seemed so knowledgeable. So, and I gave them away uh, at the garage sale. Somebody said, how much do you want for these books? And I thought about what she said about there's no value to them. So I just said, take the box if you're interested. And um, So I kind of came into her life and she came into my life. Uh, we we're both in our 40s and uh, we're one year apart. She was 74 uh, this year when she left her body. Um, mm. she, she Actually, her birthday is coming up. She'd be 75 this coming week. So. And she changed my life. We can talk about that now, but that's sort of a little introduction mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. wow. And yeah, what just how is this last? I mean, she left her body those two weeks ago. Can you maybe briefly tell us about how how that has changed your life? Like how how are things now, and has it how has it been for you guys? That's a big one, I understand, but. <laughs> I, for myself, I have to be honest, I, I nothing has really changed. We've just completely, you know, embraced. Well, she had, she was in, you know, responsible for a lot of things running the center here. And I've tried to pick up the pieces and that's kept me really busy. I have to be honest, I've kind of wanted to crawl, you know, curl up in a ball and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know wallow in my misery <laughs> if that's what you would call it because she's been running the whole meditation center in toronto that, that she started as well yeah and she's yeah. i mean i was one of the people who got in contact with her um, she's one of the reasons why i'm sitting here and i'm following this process and i'm finding out who i am and having the, you know the benefit of that thanks to her the retreat that i came to so yeah So uh, I've just tried, I'm just trying to, you know, we had a, we have a retreat coming up at the end of the month and we have um, mm. all these programs and she was really active. So I'm just, I think it's probably for the best that I, that I have all these things to do. So um, uh, just to keep me from doing what I just said, <laughs> curling up in a ball and, you know, I don't know, self-pity, but I'm coping. It's, um, I, I often am reminded of her because she's like, especially 
in the, you know around the house I'll hear her voice in my mind telling me don't do that <laughs> and I'll be like okay anyway what do you think Alan <laughs> so um I'm 75 I'll be 76 and I've never uh, experienced such devastating uh, emotional response to anybody uh, in my life uh, leaving and I uh, I have uh, good days and bad days things are a little better now and so the the part that for me um that it's just amazing you can know what's going to happen you hear it happening to others i've never had i've had loss and uh, but i've never had this sort of weight like literally waves of uh of uh, this of grief and distress and so, but the, what I learned from Madhavendra was that you're not your body. Uh, she taught me the philosophy she had learned. She introduced me to the teachers she had. Balakia uh, was instrumental in all of our lives here in Canada. She asked him uh, if he would be kind enough to join us, and he did. And he came once, and that was nice. And she said, let's do it again. And he was sure, okay, and fitted us, fit us into his um schedule at the time it was about 1998 that i met balakia with madhavendra mm. i remember exactly we were in yosemite uh, it was labor day weekend uh, we had a retreat there 175 people showed up it was my first really significant retreat uh, we'd been I'd, we had a few small ones with 10 15 20 people 10 15 people up here in canada and um I followed, so and I sort of watched my wife uh, change and develop and deepen her her process. Uh, I don't, you can never tell how much somebody else believes or is connected to what they're doing. In my, from my personal experience, you know, you can, you can, um, I think Belki has said it in the podcast, you know, on this, the change has to come, or maybe he said it recently. Change has to come inside. You can't tell from the outside what's really what's really happening. Hmm. And I watched her um, engage in the process of teaching people this. She wanted to chant and wanted to chant with people locally. And there was no podcast or internet back then like this. Um, <laughs> and so she started teaching classes uh, at our house. She put out brochures and started putting and had people come to the house and we had enough people we started having a program sunday night and she never took the eye her eye off the ball and so she kept me steady as my mind took me in many different directions um and many people steady she was sort of a solid rock to go to when you had something to ask about about how you were doing or how others were doing so so this grief that I feel is tempered by the fact that I know she's gone to a better place, as Shaylee says. She's gone back. And my understanding and belief and, and love for her is that she's gone back to God and she's in a much better place than we are here in this material world. And um, part of that comes from just the years of watching her so focused on her her spiritual life and following this process seriously and internalizing it. And uh, 
So the grief that I have is about losing that companionship, losing her uh, intelligence about what to do. And I, I feel this fear that I won't make the right decisions. Uh, I'm very dedicated to this process. In fact, watching her go through this and leave her body has, has uh, emboldened me to step it up and become more dedicated, more connected to the process that uh, I've learned through her and which I totally embrace. So, uh, And that's something that I, that I, I, I thought I would ask as well. Like I'm, I'm, what, what the good things that have come out of this have been, <laughs> I mean, well, so intellectually, I understand that she left her body and she's in a better place. And um, mm -hmm. emotionally, and um, I just feel this sort of overwhelming uh, sense of loss. And uh, I realized, I think, uh, I, I watched the podcast yesterday just because I wanted to remember um, what she said. And there was something I've been trying to think of for the last uh, week or so that she kept saying to me. She said that. And she said it yesterday because I couldn't remember. She said anger. No, she said self-pity is the most nauseating form of anger. And so I guess I'm kind of a guy. Without realizing it, my self-pity, I got to. And she talked about being in boxes. If you remember, just people go into the ALS box. Or they go into yeah, the, the, the ALS room. And the, the, the room. Yeah. room. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly what I don't want to happen i do not want to end up in the self-pity room or the grief room i want to celebrate her life i want to so that's what i'm working on even as we speak i'm feeling emotional just talking about her but that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna and so to do that i focus my um i put my mind on the meditation that she taught me and taught thousands of people because that's where i'm gonna get my help it's it's i can't do it myself i need that help so and with people like balakia and others uh very fine uh friends of ours that have followed this process shaylee and the uh, kaivalya uh, shaylee's daughter my granddaughter and alex shaylee's husband we all sort of really have put our shoulders together our shoulders to the to the wheel and we're working forward and yes, it's great that Shaylee and I, assisting to the best I can, uh, are doing continuing Mod Avengers work. She'd be so pleased. Also, I know. Happy, happy we're doing that. So if we if we if we you know go back a few years, because I asked I asked uh, Mod Avenger the same question: How was your reaction when she was diagnosed with ALS? Maybe you could start, Shaylee. How? Um, I was freaked. <laughs> well, I didn't know about it at first. I had to do some research, but um, she um, she told us because she had started to lose balance when she was walking and she got these, I mean, this is a side point, but she got these shoes that kind of have a an arch in them because she thought maybe that would help with her walking, but it actually was worse because, and then well, I remember one day we were in a parking lot and, a trolley got away from her in the wind and she tried to catch it and she fell. And you could see the signs of her illness were starting to become present. But I have to be honest, I, I, I really don't think the ALS is what took 
her her life in the end like her her what killed her body it was uh she also had copd um and um she'd managed to which was honestly i i, I i'm in awe of her and balakir because <laughs> they're both very um good at controlling their tongues and she managed to um give up all wheat dairy sugar all all the things that we we tend to enjoy <laughs> and uh and was on like a complete you know like strict diet for over a year she was on the candida diet and i think through that she managed to heal her gut and um and um and she she stopped the progression of the als it had already you know um disabled her so she couldn't walk properly and do a few things and um but she had um managed to stop its progression so in the end um i think the the lungs weren't able to get oxygen to the heart so she started to um not be able to breathe and that just led to kind of organ failure um oh. but but yeah when we first heard it was it was not an easy transition anyway it was actually i think god's arrangement because we all moved in together into this house and she got to be with my daughter, her granddaughter, and all these wonderful things came of it. So her illness provided a perfect gateway to um, to spiritual life. Like it was um, very conducive. So despite her having to suffer in that way physically, although she was never in pain, she was, um, uh, it was perfect and beautiful. So wow. Alan? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, I think it's said, uh, or she said many times, um, you get so many breaths in life and really we don't change much. We think we do, we doctors and the medical profession and that. She was so accepting that she was close to the end of her life um, this year, but like Sherry said, uh, the Typical ALS patient lives a year, <clears throat> maybe two years, <clears throat> at the very outside. And but we were told at the time of the testing that she had a slow developing version, and that people mm -hmm. can live. Even the doctor mentioned ten years when my wife and I asked the the, the specialist. And we were at Sunnybrook, which is in Canada, is the top ALS. It just happened to be in, in Toronto and. Um, so the first reaction was, uh, this is going to be quick. I mean, her life, her physical life is going to end quickly. Um, but my wife was a uh, researcher and a very um, disciplined, unbelievably disciplined person. Um, <laughs> she would get up at the same time every morning and would be doing her meditation for exactly the same time and then at seven o'clock she'd get up and she'd go and so i couldn't like shower between seven and seven ten and certain places where we lived where it was smaller and um because <laughs> she just I, it, that was her on her schedule so that discipline carried her through this illness um she searched out everything she could about als and found a number of people that had lived uh 15, 20 years that had written books, uh, different ages, different backgrounds, and talked about all the different uh, approaches they had taken. 
And uh, most of them said they were still alive and didn't know why, because they weren't sure what actually contributed to their, their staying in their physical bodies. And uh, she just was a trooper. She just worked through it. And as her physical health declined, she adapted. Um, so the last month or two before she left her body, or maybe three months, she started having general physical health issues like nausea, lack of appetite, things like that. And it would, it would change. So we started searching for answers. And it turned out the ALS probably, as Shaley said, didn't actually, it was contributing, I'm sure, because she, her physical, um, the extent of her movement had been reduced quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so the we started searching out, and the ALS people said that uh, they thought we she should retest if she asked her if she wanted to retest to see if quote challenge the diagnosis, and she wouldn't do that. It was I watched it. It was a painful process, and um, then she so then as other things just started ceasing to function. She said to me many times, she said, I, I burned my chi out in my youth. And that's, I don't, wasn't there. Shaylee <laughs> made reference to it. And we didn't talk a lot about it. But she lived a very strong life. She lived a very full, active, hippie-ish, you know, uh, life um, mm -hmm. before she started the, the meditation process. Um, and she often said, she said, yeah, I'll probably go first because I, I pretty well you know, mm. burn my chi, use up my, I guess my, whatever period of time, my body's going to last. And so it was, it's always sad to know that you're going to eventually be alone uh, one way or the other, her or me. She's kept saying, you know, don't leave me alone here. I don't know what I'll do without you, sort of thing. Mm. Um, Sorry, I got a little meandering. I, I'm not sure if no, I answered the question. That's a good answer for the question. It just made me think about something that uh, that I've heard various teachers speak about, that, and she was an example of. She did all she could. She gave her 100% in trying to fight this disease and trying to stay in her body. She didn't give 120%, though, by by skipping her spiritual practice and just going all in to try to keep her body alive forever, which is an impossibility. But she knew how to find the balance between over endeavoring to keep her material body alive and and you know just not caring about it. So she she did care. She did her best, but ultimately she had faith in the supreme that there was a plan for her, and she could only do her best, and the rest is up to someone else. So that's something that just I. I personally felt like she was like a, a, a perfect yogi in her practice because of her dedication to her spiritual practice and her control of her senses. And knowing her as, you know, as a child, she was not regulated and not, you know, able to control her senses. So <laughs> I was just so impressed by that. I am still so impressed by that. And to be honest, and Balakia knows this, I've been quite rebellious in my life, especially when it comes to my diet. And I keep hearing her voice, don't eat that. And the funny thing is, is because my daughter got to be in her association for so much, so, like such a lot, you know, um, while she was here, um, I now have a mini mum. <laughs> like a Jamie, volume. don't eat that. 
<laughs> oh uh, she says, don't eat that. And then like last night, she's like, it was 11 o'clock and we were lying on the couch and she's like, you have to go to bed. You have to get up early. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, please stop. But you know, it's, it's a blessing. And it, you know, maybe that's what Mother thought. You know, she knew that she'd be leaving, so she'd you know leave her. <laughs> yeah, she, she'd influence Kavalia to <laughs> to be the voice of Mother <laughs> It yeah. does feel like that. <laughs> oh, it's funny. And that brings up a, a very important point. A little bit off the subject, but <clears throat> kids learn what you teach them. She was such an example that Kavalia just followed that. You know, it it. Not like it came from nowhere. She had that perfect, you know, role model. And it was her grandma. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I was really, really influenced by my grandmother. You know, and if we set the right example for the children, they will become like that. And if we set a bad example, they'll become like that too. You know, that's a little bit off the subject, but not really. Mm-hmm. You know, and she was such an example for so many people. You know, just like you guys are saying, I knew her very well. Many people that knew her always say the same thing. She was so one pointed, so focused, so determined, so <clears throat> you know, able to just do what she had to do, and not what? vacillating. And and oh, I don't know. She just was like like a straight arrow, you know. It just makes me think about maybe you could, maybe you could say, Shailen, like, what, what, what do you think was the key that you, you know, that knew her so well? What, what, what's, what made her be able to be like that? What was the secret to success? <laughs> my, well, my experience, Shaley was around when when Madhavendra was first introduced to ch- uh, chanting and. Because it was their neighbors, um, and Shaley was young. In fact, she mentioned how Shaley had started acting um, calmer. I guess I don't know the exact word, but she knows the difference. Well, whatever they're doing, it must be is <laughs> good because it's it's helping Shaley um, in many ways. Um, my, I think my wife got such pleasure out of the actual meditation. I think because she talked about that to people. She made that point almost all the time when she was talking to people who were learning or starting to or introducing this process is that she, she'd go to a chant and she'd say, wow, that felt good. <laughs> and so I just want more of that. And so I think, you, you know, you're not going to do something that, is not fun or not, or it seems like an austerity where you're giving up your mind tells you you're giving up all this pleasure that you're missing by, you know, denying yourself certain things. So therefore sort mm-hmm. of like fasting, um, yeah. you know, fasting or eating sensibly to get to the same result. One is a strong sort of denial of something. And therefore you may go overboard when you, when you come off of it. The other one is have a sort of slow and steady. She got a lot of pleasure out of the meditation and she got a huge amount of pleasure out of introducing people to chanting. Um, and would, would not take her eye off the ball. We talked about this, and, but she was just that. And she was like that with me. And, you know, like I would be somebody who, 
you know, I'm an individual, I'm a separate living person, then I would have different um, desires and wants, and they may not be consistent with what she thought was uh, going to be helpful in my spiritual practice. And so she was relentless about, let's stay the course. And uh, it was, I'm sure, because she felt that was in our best interest, in my best interest. And she was right. I mean, uh, if you lose sort of your mind tells you, let's let's do this, let's do that, and you get lazy with your practice, then you start to notice life doesn't seem to shine as much. Um, but you don't realize that, sort of getting dull incrementally. And when you we go to a retreat and we spend a lot of time chanting and listening to the philosophy and hanging with like-minded people, you come out of it feeling fantastic. And so... You just so that's I think was the answer to your question is I think that's what kept her steady was the the life experience was the was the answer to the question she she got tremendous pleasure out of it both doing it and introducing people to it bringing them together doing it together she made it real it, it was not just a game for her like <laughs> it was real real experience was it wasn't just philosophy no exactly yeah. a dry philosophy doesn't satisfy the soul <laughs> yeah thank you Shaley, but Shaley you, you would know that from the very beginning she also arranged her life so she had good association with other people that were doing the same thing yeah and she definitely. changed things up she moved different places she she made it so she was always in association with mm -hmm. the like you said, like-minded people, people who are practicing this, seriously practicing this. And that had a major impact as well. That's one of the things that we learn is association is the most important thing in spiritual life. You know? And she, she understood that, whether she heard it directly or just intuitively understood it or was automatically attracted to, to those people that association, regardless of how it happened, it happened. And that just changes everything. And then when she came to Toronto, she became that association that attracted other people to her. She provided that association for the other people, like it had been provided for her. Yeah. And it just continued to the end. And that's very important yeah she she really um you know i mean i don't i think alan touched on it but this this weather up here is not exactly her cup of tea or mine <laughs> <laughs> to be frank and uh but once she got everything situated and and you know was getting a taste for you know sharing this process with others and and learning and growing she couldn't leave. She was just, she loved everybody here. And, and it was very um, fulfilling for her spiritually to stay despite the weather. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've got a, a really wonderful group of people that have, you know, rallied together to, you know, like-minded and to share this, you know, process with others. So we're very fortunate. Hmm. Yeah. If um, if you could if you could turn back time, is there anything that you would have said or done differently, or anything that you've 
you'd like to have said to Mother Andrara? No, <laughs> not me. <laughs> so part of the teachings and what we strive for, it's not always attainable, is forgiveness, right? And uh, you can't, you can't really ask for forgiveness uh, unless you're prepared to give or be forgiving. And so the night before she left her body, uh, I, she was in pretty bad shape. In fact, um, we had rooms next to each other, and I was concerned that she uh, that she um, might be leaving her body. <laughs> so I crept out a few times to hear if I could hear her. I didn't want to disturb her if she was, uh, you know, still there, and. So I didn't want to really open the door and turn the light on, which would defeat the whole purpose. But so I begged her to forgive me. I never got to say it. I begged her to forgive me for all any offenses. Sorry. Anyway, I begged her to forgive me in my mind, and they say that if you can't say it to the person directly, you. <clears throat> and then things got busy, and then that morning she left her body, so. <sighs> Sorry. <clears throat> um, that's, that's okay. I <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have asked me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's that's what i one thing i i, I know she would have because we we would you know have our moments and uh, they would blow over so that's the answer to your question <laughs> i mean yeah. i guess you know just to share that i um um as a child i felt um quite um i don't know angry at her for some of the things that happened before she came into contact with this process and while we had lived together we had actually finally i had finally been able to get get, get over that anger i was harboring for her and um that was a huge weight off my shoulders, like to, to know that she, you know, I had forgiven her and she'd forgiven me for, for all the offences that perhaps had taken place as a child. Um, and I know a lot of us don't have the perfect childhood and, you know, I can say I'm, you know, it wasn't bad but it wasn't great <laughs> before she came into contact with this process. And um, so at the end of her life I was actually able to, I was holding her when she left her body and I, like Alan, have a hard time, you know, dealing with the grief, but um, I, I was able to whisper in her ear that I loved her and that um, she would, you know, she, she could go. <laughs> and it was very, um, you know, I was so grateful for that, to have had that opportunity to be there at the moment she left her body. 
And um, my daughter was also there. And so was Alan and Alex, my husband. And uh, it was honestly, as sad as it is, it was the most amazing experience to have actually been there. And she wasn't in a hospital and they didn't, you know, it was just as she wanted it, um, perfectly arranged and it was quick and I, I didn't have any regrets. I, I was very grateful towards the end of her life that I was able to take care of her. I, I, I have, I, I'm so grateful for that. And um, I just, you know, I look forward to seeing her again one day <laughs> um, when I leave this body. Can you possibly pinpoint what it is that is uh giving you that that comfort and shelter or, or, or and, and that gave you that shelter and comfort as she was leaving her body i mean we have a lot of people who haven't maybe are completely new to this philosophy and new to the yoga lifestyle and maybe you could um well she had prepared me for it we discussed it a lot before she left her body she had some very specific ideas of how she wanted to leave her body and I don't know I just I, I, I just you know um, kicked into gear because she was in a precarious position when when she was about to leave her body and I managed to grab her and pull her uh, away you know into a comfortable position but when somebody is leaving their body I don't think they have the strength so it's 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 not easy I wasn't I'm not that strong um, but I managed to get her in a position where she was okay, and we—I—I I, I didn't think I just did it. <laughs> it was—it was perfect. Um, I think. I mean, we always look back on it and think, "Well, it would have been nice if she was lying in bed and she was comfortable." But things don't always work out the way you planned. But as far as you know, that moment, it was—it worked out amazingly. Um, and I was, I'm, I will treasure, treasure that moment that I, that last moment I got to be with her in this life. And, um, yeah. <sighs> Sorry. Do you, do you have anything <laughs> to say to that, Alan? To think the same. Um, my wife walked towards leaving her body towards what we call death with a clear eyed uh, focus she was not in any at any point in time in a state of terror or anxiety about it and she she wrote to a, the, the, her friend who really introduced her to the her spiritual teacher way back in the, when I'm not even sure in the 70s maybe possibly uh, he, she wrote he he spoke on a dedication and we had a, a program on on uh, Zoom with uh, about eight, 70 households of people from all over the world and a group of people here at our house uh, and we had a big chant and uh, she, he spoke and he said, she, he read um, a message he'd received from her where she said, I'm longing to go back to God. And uh, so she walked like a, <clears throat> like I said, clear eyed to the right to the, to leaving her body with, uh, I mean, I said, do you want me to do, what would you like us to do? We had um, power of attorney on personal care if you lost the ability to make decisions. 
and we have you know give each other that those those that sort of ability to make those decisions and she she was clear that she was getting really close to the end it's hard to talk about in fact uh, i kept thinking all right well they're going to fix this little problem and things will go back to normal <laughs> because she had been through that um she almost died in the year we moved out of toronto after the diagnosis she literally um came i'm saying a hair away from leaving her body and we had a retreat here and there was a probably 30, 40 people staying here. It was Christmas 2014, and we'd moved in here to get out of the city. And um, Shaylee and all the, uh, you know, serious students were, you know, around and helping and at her beck and call, and she lay there literally gray, and, you know, her weight was down. And, we, and my mother left her body that week. I had to fly up to Ottawa for a funeral, and... Uh, it was a difficult uh, time and she came out of it. So she was, a, I guess, a survivor physically. She survived uh, some close calls, but she was clear-eyed right to the end. So I don't think that would have done much differently. Yes, we have our regrets, but at the end of the day, she succeeded in her goal. And so at the end of the day, that's what mattered, not whether you took this little path or that little path to get, if you get to your goal, you're trying to get up a mountain and you get stuck in the wrong path. It matters. But if you go up different paths, but you get to the top and you attain your goal, then you've done, you don't, nobody thinks about or talks about you took a little extra path or a different path. And I guess, and I guess you could see that you're, uh, you're wanting to be with her is is a bit more difficult now, but you're wanting to be with her is is a is of lesser importance that than than she being in a place of love and comfort and in the right now. You know that yeah, it's just self, it's just selfish, really. When yeah. when people, I mean, you you have the emotional reaction, which is involuntary. I think mm. my experience is I can't stop it. But intellectually, I understand that it's just I'm dwelling on my own loss. It's me. I'm really the mourning that's going on here is for me, not for her. Um, that's the lesson that I've, I'm coming at it with. And I'm trying to defeat it. And I use my meditation to do that. Uh, so I've improved my, uh, my regulation, my physical. And I get up earlier and do my meditation when it's quieter. I've improved um, and and focus more on it. I mean, I'm just taking it more seriously. Because why? Because that's what, you know, uh, I'm 75, 76. I'm going to leave my body. It's inevitable. We're all going to leave our bodies. So the question is, how do you want to go? <laughs> like, And so, yes, I'd like to be back with my wife. Um, but, you know, if I'm not my body, I've probably had many wives and husbands and children and parents and that so um she brought me to the meditation process and we have a, a bond and a connection which i believe will help us you know re reunite but really the goal is to individually 
you know, go back to the spiritual world, get off this lousy planet. <laughs> this, <laughs> this material world is a <laughs> look at what's going on. It's just like it's just chaos, right? Just a horrible place to be. Why, you know? So if you can, if you can come back to the, uh, go back to the spiritual world and not revisit in this world, then sign me up. That's I want that. I want to get on that flight. <laughs> take me, take me to the uh, departure lounge, and I'll, I'll buy a ticket. I'll do what it takes. Madam had had a talk a while ago, and I wanted, I always wanted to ask her about that because she spoke about it in our uh, entry with her. The 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 talk that she had for the international group of people who had ALS. Do you, do you know what I'm referring to, Alan? Yeah, I do. I was actually there when she was speaking to them. Oh. I was out of sight, but I was. Uh, I was Can you uh, tell us I about it? I was there for part of it. Well, uh-huh. I I came and went while she was talking to them, but I listened to some of it. Um, I heard her explaining that she was not her body. I heard her. I think that happened after your podcast, right? And, yeah. Um, she said happened. she was going to do it, and then she, right. like, yeah, gave or gave her inspiration for a quote from the Bhagavad Gita that she could read. I think she mm-hmm. said she so. Was. I don't recall being there when that was happening. I, because she had a regular, um, I think almost weekly, she had some group that had asked her to speak to them about meditation. And uh, um, the first thing you learn in meditation is that you're not your body, that you're a spirit soul inside the body. And so that's the very first thing that, and that's, I think, what the talk, the discussion was in the, um, in her podcast. And so um, I don't think I was there when it started because just wandering around, I, I, I sort of heard him talking. Um, but she told me after that, you know, people got back there, particularly the people that organized it. Uh, we're very pleased that she, she uh, spoke to them and uh, she got personal comments that they really appreciated hearing that. But I can't say much more mm-hmm. than that. Yeah. 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 yeah she said she said to me about that that um um the lady who ran the 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 whole group they became friends and and they would talk often about you know spiritual life i should try to you know keep in touch with you know, or reach out to her. I've got to have a look and see if I can find her contact base. Because I, I still get calls on Mum's phone, and I have to tell them that she's left. And but yeah, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. She 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 touched a lot of people. Yeah, I keep I get calls. Like I've had three calls this week from different. You know the. I got a call from a bank. They want someone to come and speak with them. And and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I wish mom was here. She was so good at it. <laughs> I'm going to have to muster up the courage and read up and try to do it justice and hope, you know, I can also be effective in the way that she was. So The bank wanted her to speak about meditation at the... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, she got all kinds of calls. We're going to a school, like a, a college this month, next month, and the bank, and she did all kinds of things. I think once she spoke to like over, was it 100 or 300 bank employees at TD, it was a huge group. Maybe it wasn't 300, but it was a lot (laughs) on Zoom. (laughs) 
So one good thing about COVID was, you know, we all switched to online. It was much easier to reach a, a, a bigger audience in that regard. Yeah. Taylor, <laughs> well, uh, you can do it, mate. You just do it. I know. <laughs> that potency will be there. Don't worry about that. You just yeah. speak from your heart and you'll be fine. Okay. That's what Madhavendra did. She just spoke from her heart. She didn't rehearse it or anything. She just spoke from the heart. And if you do the same, the result will be there. Yeah. I was giving a, we have a weekly, you know, meditation on Zoom every Friday night. And I went through all of her old videos and I wrote notes of all the different, you know, points she made. And she said it beautifully. Like it was really like smooth and and I, I printed it out and I, I'm like doing it and I'm like trying to read it and I'm like, this is not working. I, I can't refer to these notes because I just, so you're right. I, and I realized at that point I had to just speak from my heart because yeah. that's when it comes naturally. So I'm going to try that. <laughs> just like you're doing now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just talk. Yeah. You know, you know the subject, you know the, the purpose, you you know who you're trying to please, you just do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've heard it before. I just have to, yeah, like you said. Yeah. Thank you so much, Shaley and Alan. I think I think we're going to have to have a little kirtan in the end now. And there's so much more that I'd like to ask him and talk about. But that's, <laughs> I guess, a good feeling to leave with. <laughs> mm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys very much. You know, it's, people can hear things that they can see real. I mean, this is, like I said, it's just what we're talking about. You know, you're just presenting your heartfelt, you know, feelings, truths, experience, and that affects us. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for agreeing to come on. Thanks oh, for having pleasure. us. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, Madhavendra knows. And thank you, Balakia, for the years you've come here twice a year for two, three weeks at a time. The uh, oh. students and uh, people would come from all over the world when you were coming here, and you just thank you, thank you. And, and Madhavendra was My so grateful. <laughs> people yes. from Norway, for example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We like our Norwegian friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how it works, isn't it? It is. So, yeah, I guess uh, we better have a little cure time. Yeah, let's do it. Madhavendra would not like it if we didn't have a cure time. <laughs> that's true. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. So the mantra is always the same for our podcast. Goranga Haribo. Goranga. Everybody.
I mean, we've been taught from the beginning of this bhakti yoga process that take shelter in the holy names. And as I know, as Alan knows, as Shaley knows, Madhavendra did that. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. So there you go. She heard what she was supposed to do, she did it, and she was successful in life thank you Balakia. Oh, yeah. thank you guys very much yeah thank you Shaley and Alan thank you so much I know it's it hasn't been long since she left and I know you're I've spoken to both of you before but and I I know that there's a lot of feelings and I'm just very very happy that you've been able to come here and share from your heart really because that's what it's all about and that's what matters so thank you. Thank you, Ruben. Yeah. Thank you, Balakia. Greatly yes. appreciated. Thank you both. So until next time. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> So thank you all very, very much for joining. Uh, I'm very, very touched myself and I just, yeah, 
Thank you. If you have any thoughts, comments, anything that you'd like to ask about or us to bring up in the future podcasts, then please write us. Uh, you can find our contacts at breakingtrail.life. Uh, that's our website. And uh, we just released an episode about There is Hope. The, we just released it before the podcast. So if you want to listen to that one, I definitely recommend it. A podcast about that there is really no hope if we think that we're the body. But there is eternal hope for us if we come to know and we come to realize uh, our true identity as a spirit soul. Not the body, but an eternal a particle of life so yeah thank you again and uh, you know we have different possibilities you can contribute with all of that available is on our on, on our website you can join our email list and uh, yeah thank you namaste and have a wonderful day and I hope to see you soon again